Welcome to the Moz Monthly Podcast. Thorough discussion and in-depth information about the news, stories, and trends related to emergency medical services in Michigan. The Moz Monthly Podcast is brought to you by the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services. Here's your host, Moz Executive Director, Angela Madden. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Moz Monthly Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Madden, the Executive Director of the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we are happy to feature Moz Board President Jack Fisher from Medic One Ambulance and Chris Haney from Star EMS. Today, Jack and Chris are going to give us a little bit of background on what Moz is, what it was, and what they hope it becomes. As the current president of the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services, or Moz, as we lovingly refer to ourselves, not many people know what Moz is, what the makeup is of the organization, or what we do. Could you give us a little background? Certainly. Moz, as we know, is for the ambulance services in the state of Michigan. It should be, as we like to think, the voice of all the agencies in the state, not just for a handful or a select few. Our goal is at the Michigan Ambulance Association that we're holding meetings and things that we do for all ambulance services throughout the state. The board is made up from directors from a lot of services around the state as well as we have we have a board treasurer, we have a board secretary, and of course I'm the president right now as a two-year term as president. But Ma's purpose, as I tried to state earlier, is about the industry as a whole and meeting the needs of all the ambulance services throughout the state, not just the large ones or the little ones, but everybody. It's all about all of us. Thanks, Jack. Now, Chris, one of the things that you focus on as a member of the Ma's board of directors is a lot of committee work. You are very much in touch with statewide committees through the Emergency Medical Services Coordinating Committee. You also serve as the chairman of a very important committee of MAS, the Professional Standards Committee. Could you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of some of the committee work that happens both within our organization, within MAS, and statewide? Certainly. We're always very, very busy. And, and just to outline a few of the MAS committees, we have a EMS Expo Committee to help set up for our conferences, training conferences, governance, legislative, professional standards, which I'm a chair of, and reimbursement. Everyone is extremely busy. And I also like to acknowledge the work the chairs and all their committee members go every day meetings and working on their uh, off time. The big one with the professional standards, and I'll get into the EMSCC uh, subcommittees in a minute, the biggest thing with professional standards, which it, it had been a, a long running, I think I got this uh, committee uh, asked to chair it back a couple of years ago, and I, I've got minutes to go back to 2004, maybe a little earlier, but I call it kind of like the Pandora box committee. It's got a little bit of everything we touch. Uh, one thing that we were pretty involved with was uh, the GVS standards for vehicle standards and, and remounts in particular. We have just experts in all, all areas and fields of things that we uh, get involved with, but we were we were very active in that. I'm proud to say that I think some of our suggestions were, were taken when that uh, final document came out. Also, uh, we we were involved with psychiatric white paper. Uh, that was about the folks with behavioral needs and the shortage of ambulances and facilities to, to move these folks. Um, there have been some stories that, that were brought to me that just extended hospital waits for juvenile patient of excess of 40 days to, to find a bed for him. So with Angela's help and the committee, we, we were able to uh, to make a, a lot of calls and at least push our uh, MAS uh, white paper of the, to the governor's office that we want to make sure that these things are being heard. Uh, and again, that's just a couple things that we've worked on. One of the big things that we try to make sure that we're at least aware of, it's on our radar, is the educational standards, administrative rule changes, anything that fits with a professional overview to MAS. It's exciting and we get a lot of 
have a lot of different things that we're either A, like I said, have on our radar that we're or we're deep into. But those are just a few things, Angela. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Jack, you touched on being a consistent voice as part of Moz's purpose, a consistent voice for the industry, all agencies, regardless of their ownership type, regardless of their size, regardless of their location in our state. Let's just say there's a myth, there's a rumor, there are bits and pieces of information out there that Moz is only for the big guys. What's changed? What's new? What's different? I think some of the biggest changes that we have today currently from when I was president back 10 or so more years ago, that was things have changed enough from them today. And I will say a lot of that change is actually because of Angela with becoming one voice for Moz when it comes to the things that we do at the state capitol and along with things that we're doing with meetings with the state, that we have that one person that is consistent and that voice is being heard. Moz's objective, obviously, is that, and we have a challenge, we've had a challenge over the course of time, is the fact that unlike fire services, police officers, they have a consistent one voice with the IFFF, firefighters, police officers, labor council. A lot of those different venues have one voice speaking for them. In the state of Michigan, we have a lot of different voices with the NAEMT associations, Moz, and we also have, obviously, the AAA, which is the American Association of Ambulance Service throughout the country. But where we're at with Moz today is, in my vision, is a lot better than we were back in my term of president before. Again, Angela is keeping all of us herded into a direction which is positive. The conspiracy or the thought process is that Moz is only made for the larger organizations where they have more control over it. I will tell you that's so untrue and false because Medic, the service that I'm the executive director of, is a publicly owned entity. We have 12 ambulances in our fleet. We're not the smallest, we're not the largest, we're in the middle. But I will tell you as much and as many meetings I've been to at the table with all the other people around the table from all over the state, my voice is just as important as anybody else's voice. And I don't know if that's because as I've thought about that, as I maybe have earned the respect of all the people at that table, as we all work together and we all do all work together because we are a family of all trying to accomplish the same goals at the end of the day, large or small. And I will tell you when it comes to things happening across the state like Quap, when we did Quap, Quap took us over 10 years to get together. It was a huge task to take on. And the reason it took so long was because there was a lot of people that had, you know, the double digit Medicare, Medicaid numbers were going to be the ones that were going to do a lot of the winning in this whole situation. But Moz, as its entirety, was looking at the, the geographics and the areas for all ambulance services to making sure that we had the fewest amount of people that were going to not benefit from this. And that's what took us as long as it did. So no decisions are made lightly when it comes to things because we're not just looking at it what's best for the larger services across the state. It's what's good for all the ambulance services across the state. And that's why it took us so long to do that. The conspiracy thought that Moz is only good for the large people. And there's obviously large services out there that we have at table, but we're all in this as one voice. And I'll tell you that one voice is more uniform now than it's ever been in the last several years. Thanks, Jack. We've also had a couple of other um, decent wins. I would say that no fault reform. There was people that actually wanted to know how Moz was able to get themselves pulled out of that legislation that came out as not being a part of that fee schedule on our side. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we should absolutely pat ourselves on the back for that one. I know on the reimbursement committee side, we still have payers that didn't realize that we were exempted from that fee schedule um, out there as well. So obviously we still have some humps to, to get through, some hurdles to cross, but I do think that's uh, another big win. Another one that you and I were chatting about here before we started recording today's episode is the hazard pay premiums for our frontline staff members that worked throughout this coronavirus pandemic. So Chris, why don't you um, pop in and kind of give our listeners an overview about what hazard pay premiums are? Well, and that was awesome that uh, Angela and the group did a lot of a lot of legwork, a lot of work on this. And in essence, we've got uh, hazard pay for uh, municipal, for private, including up to including 
having uh, auxiliary staff that can be included in this, but up to $1,000 for uh, those that have paid their dues and worked hard and essential workers during this uh, uncertain time. I know that we um, were fortunate enough to get the application process in early, and I think that's still open for another few days, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what an awesome win for everybody that's worked so hard, and it's a small small token of the appreciation of uh, not only us, but uh, the state and others. I absolutely agree. I think everybody that has had to work uh, through this pandemic, particularly your road crews, your billers, anybody working to decon your trucks when they come back, even your stockers, making sure that you had PPE on the shelves uh, for your for your road crews um, is was just absolutely essential and still are very much essential as we work our through this pandemic. I'm going to take this opportunity to, to circle us back. Um, you both have mentioned the EMSCC or the Emergency Medical Services Coordination Committee. Chris, you have for a long time now been either an alternate or a representative uh, on the EMSCC um, in various capacities for Moz, for your, in your previous life uh, with a fire background, and also with the Michigan IC Society, the instructor coordinators who handle EMS education. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the EMSCC does? What is Moz's role with, with voting members on the EMSCC? And what do we do to ensure that all Moz agencies are represented through our voice, through our three votes on the EMSCC? That's an uh, excellent point to bring up about the representation being on the same page. But if I could step back a little little bit. Yes, in fact, uh, you know, it's been the biggest part of 15, 20 years have been involved with the EMSCC group. Now, of that group, so if I may just run through the committees. Now, the committees are appointed annually or they come up for application annually. And I always say when I get done here, just remember that you don't have to be a voting member. Call in now and then be there in the front line and hear the discussion. And at times you can have some input. So we've got the Ambulance Operations, the Bylaws Committee, Compliance and Licensing, Data Subcommittee, EMS Education, Legislative, Med Control, Rural, QATF, which is Quality Assurance Task Force, EMS Safety, and Air Medical. Dive into the deep end. They, they look at all the, the pros and cons and, and what ifs, and uh, at the end, they'll make a recommendation to the uh, EMSCC, and then all of the voting members will bring it back to their affiliations and talk. And for Moss, that was a, a great opportunity to talk about the safety issues with remounts and, and what makes sense, what doesn't, and bring it back. And, and usually, if not always, at the end of the exercise, we come up on our, our votes, is in our case, three votes that are on the same same page. So, and also I think we've done a real good job and others with, uh, for instance, the rules, the rules, of the oversight of EMS in Michigan, uh, that uh, we had a lot of questions from Moss. Angela and, and Jeff White did all the heavy lifting and I, I showed up to meetings, but we had lots and lots of hours into to looking at stuff that quite honestly, we didn't feel that, that we we wanted to live with. And we got the other organizations uh, on the, the Zoom and talked it out and the department was very receptive and listened to uh, a lot of our our thoughts and, and made uh, changes where, where it looked like it, it did make sense. So, uh, and again, those are all, and if you if you have it, you can just log on or call the state uh, office and ask to be put on the, the list for the uh, the meetings. It's, uh, again, if, if we can start getting our folks that are interested and, and want to be involved and put some some work in, that's that's the new, the new blood, I, I guess I look at. That it's important that in today's landscape of EMS, because it's constantly changing with what things are going on at the state level, that Moz's involvement in the things like EMSCC and that Moz is paying attention to things, making sure we have a voice on it. Can you imagine what would happen if we did not have a voice on that and how things would be put up and done rules-wise, what people think is best for us? We know better what's best for us, as I like to think in most situations, all the ambulance services around the state, that we have an understanding of what it takes for our services to exist and coexist.
exist amongst this landscape that we're dealing with. And if we did not have that input, who knows where we'd be? I'm sure it'd be a lot worse place. That's an excellent point. And, you know, we I think we're lucky enough to have other like-minded folks that uh, represent different uh, groups there that, you know, at times we always uh, say it's uh, let's disagree on what we can and let's agree on what we can and, and move forward. It's a great group of folks to work with. Thank you both. Couldn't agree more with your statements there. I do believe the lines of communication, uh, at least over the last probably 18 to maybe 24 months, have been very much opened across the board and with information moving in both directions. And I think that's a, a key a key point uh, of our discussion and maybe one of the key topics and key points that I would like all of our listeners to come away with after today is that Moz does all of our work for everybody. Um, we're not going to um, lobby or, or look for a benefit for very small segments or just certain segments of the EMS community. We want benefits for the broad possible group. Now, Jack, you, you've kind of touched on, of course, we've touched on lobbying and our communication, our connection, our uh, representation on the EMSCC as a benefit of membership, we will call it, to uh, being a member of MOS. What are some other member benefits that uh, an, an EMS agency leader might uh, obtain should they become a member of Moz? Well, there's a couple different pieces to that puzzle, which I believe for those that are members, obviously you realize the value that we are getting as members, but for the non-members, you're sometimes in that situation getting benefits out of Moz without even being a member because the, like the healthcare or the uh, auto insurance reform, the different things that we've done legislatively across the state for all providers, member or non-member, you benefited from that. But I would, in the support piece for those non-members on the fence, to me, it will show your support to help us with our legislative dollars, to help us do the lobbying that we need in our agencies to help get those things at the Capitol that we would necessarily not ever get because we didn't have those lobbying dollars to have. And that's when becoming a Moz member, maybe you may not think you don't see the benefits or whatever, but all the benefits are there. You just, the lobbying that happens, the things that we do on a regular basis, to help the rules and the things in place with your agencies that are out there across the state, no matter where you're at. One of the other benefits that we've had very huge success on, I will say, is the Moz Workers' Comp piece. And the Moz Workers' Comp piece, ironically enough, started out probably, I think now we're in 22 years of that. I found myself as the board chairman of that since its inception. And I guess either for the lack of no one else wanting jokingly or, or myself finding where I'm at, I've been the board chairman for all those years. What has been hugely successful in the fact that it did teach us all, it taught me a heck of a lot about what work comp is and the rules and the things that go along with that. And and just for a service on our size, Medic, we get back annually uh, reimbursements that go back into our work kind of piece for my budget that helps offset my budget because of those reimbursements that we get each year annually across from the state. And that year to date now, I think we've given back actually over the course of time, $11 million refunds back to the membership from all the agencies across the state. We have even actually at one point in time had money that we allocated and used to purchase every agency that was that is or was a part of the work comp at that time, a stair chair and striker to help offset, again, being positive about back injuries and helping preventative measures to not have your people off on work-related injuries. 
as well as just this last two years, we did the uh, lift, the bender lift, that we made three of them available to each agency. And again, that's part of Moz. That's a huge thing because we, unlike in insurances, a lot of the work comp pieces that are out there do not understand what EMS is and what EMS does. Well, you're going to have lifting injuries. You're going to have back injuries. Well, that's 90% of what all of our staff is doing, lifting and moving and flexing and picking people up. But we understand that. We've managed that resource to the point where we've done what we've done and given back those dollars to all the membership as a very positive. That's great. Thank you so much. So I'm going to add an additional layer here, Chris. How has this pandemic, how has coronavirus COVID-19 affected your cost of doing business? Well, I think that first off, nationally, call volume had been flat or had been significant reduced. At certain points, we're all struggling with staffing. So that was a concern that I think that we all had is to make sure that we got in front of the education piece. We got the protective equipment, the PPE out and really put that out there and pushed it to the forefront. And, you know, we're seeing an uptick now to betterment in the call volume, but I think that was uh, very uh, concerning to everyone that you've got to your staff that you need to report your call volumes down and reimbursement of the process with our, our, our billing and insurance entities were, were it was a, a leg. I think we're caught up in, in, in get at least getting back to normal, slow but sure. Thank you very much for kind of segueing us right there, Chris. That was, that was better than I could have ever scripted. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about um, another one of those big buckets that Moz tries to be extremely helpful in, and that is that reimbursement piece or that work with payers on behalf of agencies around the state. The, the reimbursement committee is probably, besides from professional standards, reimbursement is probably one of the, is the busiest committee that we've got out there. They are chaired by Ron Slagle from Emergent Health Partners and Katie Arns from Life EMS. You know, talk a little bit about some of the benefits that you've seen from their work. I can just, I'll go from from our perspective that I see, you know, Chris is more involved in that than I am. Knowing Ron as long as I've known Ron and Katie, for the Moz non-members, that's huge to have these services working together on one common denominator. And that's so that way we as an industry, when we have a challenge, when someone switches the rules and someone as a payer group, they'll get some of the payer groups to say, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to pay at this screen or pay at that. And they'll try to hold back this and hold back that, where the Moz reimbursement committee will get together and call out those individual groups and put their foot down and saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. These are the rules. This is what we agreed on. This is where we're at. Which the small services and the small providers, to do that on your own, it's going to be impossible. But for Moz to do that, which Moz does, again, if you don't get paid, can't do what we're doing. We can't have the services, the things that we provide. And Moz is on top of that and always has been on top of that. And that's been a, that's been the number one thing that I've seen as a president and even as a member that reimbursement's key. And however, we work with our lobbyists to help us with some of those situations, which may not be always the same. We may be lobbying about other things, but at the end of the day, with reimbursement and having those committees and having those people that are very knowledgeable about that, more so than even myself or a lot of other people, to get those answers that we need is huge. Yeah, I think that, uh, and exactly, uh, Jack, and that's that's awesome. I know that uh, for Ron and Katie, hats off to uh, the board meetings and listening to reports. I, I'm in awe of all the work that's done. And going back to even the, the measurement tool to identify the cost of EMS, I mean, the importance of that getting it right, because if it's not done right, it's not going to be helped. And again, I know there's been a lot of work with the ET3. That's going to be pushed back up here in January, I think, as uh, uh, locally we've approved protocols for uh, life support agencies to push forward 
forward. And I know that uh, that committee, again, has been very involved with uh, uh, the reimbursement piece to making sure that it's done right for right fit for us. In the ET3 piece, as we all know, that's we've talked about that community paramedic piece for a long time. And I think a lot of people thought we'd be farther ahead than where we are. But people also got to remember, it's all fine and good to go out and treat people on the scene. But who's going to pay us at the end of the day? Until we get these things figured out, as with the ET3 is working towards right now, it's a very small population that we're looking at with the Medicare side, that we have to figure out those reimbursements. We understand that we can save money to the federal government. I think the federal government is now starting to realize that we can do that too. It's been a slow, long road to get to where we're at because I know a lot of people talked about community paramedicine that we should be way light years ahead of where we're at. EMS travels slowly sometimes. We don't get there as fast as what people like to see us do. But I think at the same time, we're trying to be cautious and careful about when we end up at the end of the road, we know what we did and know what we're talking about. Thank you both. And just as an aside for our listeners, if you are unaware of ET3, that does stand for emergency triage, treat, and transport, meaning an EMS agency can arrive on scene, triage the patient, and either then treat that patient in place or transport that patient. Transporting that patient could be the traditional transportation to a hospital emergency department or even transporting to an alternate destination based on that patient's needs. And as Jack mentioned, we are looking forward to that program and the participants in that program beginning sometime early in 2021, potentially even January. Skipping ahead and looking at another priority that Moz has been looking at and working on actually for the last couple of years, it does appear on our strategic plan, and that is the recruitment and retention of qualified employees, particularly road crews. Do either one of you want to start talking about or bring up some of the things that we've been doing on the board side, on the policy side, statewide side, what we are trying to do to either increase recruitment or retain good quality employees? Well, Angela, the one thing that, and that that's huge, I've got my, it's the three R's I always look to is the recruitment, retainment, reimbursement. But uh, I do think that now that we have an agency on board that has helped put the message out, a message uh, that tells a bit about the paramedic and EMT role, again, that that's what keeps me up at night, if you will, is just trying to make sure that we can we can recruit these folks and find them a spot where they're comfortable and want to stay. So I know that at the board side, I'm excited to see we've partnered with the state department also to try to get the advertisements out there, the movies, the uh, this is what we do. Wait. Chris, you're absolutely correct with that. And I think it's, you know, it's always been a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. The challenges, the education piece of it, the retention, recruitment, the pay, it's all comes together with what you can or can't do with inside your agency to keep these people employed, keep these people at the table, keep these people wanting to be a long-time career with your agency. It's me right now where I'm at, we're fortunate that we're not having a huge problem today. A couple of years ago, we had a huge problem. It doesn't mean the problem's going away. It's far from gone. The number of paramedics coming out of the state becomes less and less each year. And we at the table at the Moz board are looking to change that to the positive. So that way we can begin by advertising, having these surveys, having these education things to have more availability, qualified, trained staffing for our service. Yeah, well put. Very well put, Jack. Thanks. So the governor most recently announced a new program. She calls it Futures for Frontliners. And that is an education-based program for frontline workers essential workers that work throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and still are for them to obtain a two-year community college certificate or degree. These are for people who have not yet completed any type of certificate or degree program before. Do you believe that this would be beneficial for our paramedics and EMTs? I, I think it's uh, 
it's another tool in the box. I would I would love it. We put on courses here um, for the EMT level where we've actually hired paid folks to go to school, pay for their test, and we've had marginal success. So I, I think that why not if it's going to be available to us? My only concern would be is, is, and I go to the different meetings and listen to the same things probably the listeners are, the enrollments up. Uh, I know we have Oakland Community College right here and Lansing Community. We've got several other programs that, you know, how many folks will get in these accredited programs and where is that going to take us as far as folks that we can put on the road? I don't know, but again, it can't hurt to at least try. Agreed. The only challenge that I've heard out of the whole process is that there's a limited number of colleges and community centers that you're able to get these programs from. So it may be more of a challenge for other people versus because you don't have it in your backyard, you may have to search that out and how far away that may be for you to achieve that. That's the only challenge I've heard. Yeah, and that is a big one, Jack. I'm glad you brought that up. As of right now, based on my count, there are only 12 community colleges around the state that do have programs, EMS education programs, and unfortunately qualify for the dollars. I want to kind of wrap things up a little bit. What do you hope to accomplish? Well, let's just start off with the 2020 has been a year for uh, remembering, obviously for all of us, that we would never in our life could have ever managed the challenges that jumped before us, faced us, and that is in anything in public sector, police, fire, young EMS, we don't run away from the challenge. We seem to run headfirst into it as we have even with COVID to get to where we're at. There's a lot of challenges that face EMS, as we know. There are a lot of things on the table right now with the Medicare side and doing the fee schedule, doing the surveying, doing the cost analysis. It never changes for us. If we get one thing done now, there's always something that seems like one gets done, two more pop up. It's like the weeds in the yard, I guess. You can't make them go away all at once, but as long as we can rise to the occasion, which we do, and head to those challenges and head them face on with the tools, as Chris would say, whatever we have in our toolbox, we'll be able to pull out and tackle these things. We will, again, continue and strive to make EMS the very best for the people that we serve and take care of. I'm sure that's across the country, across the state. That's our goal and that's our mission, to provide the very best. We share things. We talk about things. We don't. If you if you got some problem that you can't figure out in your service, reach out to one of your people and say, "Hey, what are you guys doing over here?" I'm sure you'll find someone who'd be more than happy to share that with. You. And that's the the grassroots, the common base that we need to be at. We're not all this by ourselves. We're all in this together. If you have a challenge or a hurdle, reach out to someone and say, "Hey, what are you doing to help through get you through that?" So there's a lot of things going on. And 2021, we'll have to wait and see what happens when we get to 2021. But hopefully, it doesn't show anything like we did see here this year, a lot of things we got to get back to. A lot of the things that we face, there's a lot of things on our plate, a lot of things for us to do. May not be the same today, but next next month, who knows what could rise up on us. Well, I think that, like Jack had just mentioned, I think that we wrote the book on 2020. I mean, it's nothing to refer to for the COVID-19. I think it's, uh, uh, we're going to talk a lot about preparedness going forward with the special pathogen responses that we do. I think that's going to be in a big piece in the future, and we should be stakeholders in that, because there's going to be statewide, where are we serve on different response teams now. I think that's going to be big. One of my things going forward for 21 and beyond is to recruit, recruit membership, not just to work in the ambulances that we need that, but also to take these seats. At some point, you know, I'm going to move on and others will, but I would invite folks to uh, that aren't members to log on our website and look at our MOS regions. It's a pretty state of Michigan. It's got the colors and it's we've got up to nine regions and look at who's that representative. There's contact information because it can start by serving on a committee. It starts with your local med control to go in and talk things out. Just participation. Hey, that that next great idea or that next thing that helps us out may be the quietest and youngest voice in the room. Although I think that all of our board members do an outstanding job and hope they stay forever. But again, there needs to be a transition 
education to get the younger folks in. And it's not just a matter of saying, okay, here you are, do it. There's a little bit more to it. And again, I go back to recruitment. I think it's great to make this job, get it out there, that this is a, an awesome, rewarding job. And it's not, trust me, it's not only about dollars and cents. And there's a, a lot of great stuff that you can do out there. And we need to get that message as I know we are. Thank you both very much. Both made the key point that networking, networking among agency leadership, agency to agency, agency to Moz, and downline employee to line employee has wonderful benefits, both from a statewide EMS perspective, but also a local MCA perspective as well. And that is that is huge. And Chris, I wanted to say absolutely, uh, if there is anybody listening today that has an interest in, in joining, uh, information on how to join is available on our website. Contact information is also always available at miambulance.org slash podcast. Jack, as current president of the organization, is there any concluding remarks you'd like to say here while we wrap up our episode? I just kind of spin up on what Chris said earlier and what you said, Angela, about networking. Networking is, like you said, huge. You can't put a, you can't put a dollar amount on, on networking. When we do the EMS Expo, I haven't really touched, touched much about the EMS Expo. Of course, that got canceled this year. Moz has always looked at the EMS Expo as one of those things that as long as we broke even or made a buck or lost a but we were happy with that. And because at the end of the day, you're going to get some credits with the also piece, you're going to do that networking amongst your fellow EMS personnel and working, like I said, working with other agencies, networking, you just can't put a dollar value to that because you got to remember folks, we're all in this together. This isn't just about how you're doing things and how you're doing things differently than everybody else. The tools that are available for us, you get out of it what you put into it. If you don't want to invest nothing into it, then that's where you're at in your life. But I'm sure for your services, that are out there for those members or non-members, for those non-members, you're going to reap a lot of benefits by coming to become a Moz board director person. You have a chance to see that networking, you talk to those people, get that information. There's a lot of things going on that I think a lot of people don't really realize what we are doing. And I think this is where the person off to my right, Angela here, has taken us to a level that we only dreamed about for a long, long time to where we're at now that we have we have the state calling up her as Asking her information where the what the Moz what the Moz board's perspective is on issues that we currently face today, which is huge. And that's the direction we want this to go and continue to go. That when our legislators that you need to get to know those people in your regions, the who they are and who they and who and who they represent, that when you have an issue, they should be able to call them up and say, Hey, this is what's going on. What do we need to do? Where do we need to be? And you can reach out to those folks. So you can have that that networking back and forth with them. That's just as important. They are in a place don't understand. They only know what, what they hear and what they know. They're going to reach out. And I've had them reach out to me asking me about an EMS situation because they don't understand it. But you want to have that trust in those people and you have to earn that trust. I think, again, those are some of the things that are huge that we as an industry have to keep going in that direction, getting better and better all the time. I think that's a great way to end, Jack. I want to take this opportunity to thank you both, Jack Fisher from Medic One Ambulance and Chris Haney from Star EMS, both Moz board members for your time today. We do hope that as you listen, you continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find them available on our website at miambulance.org slash podcast. Thanks again, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Moz Monthly Podcast, the go-to source for information about Michigan's EMS system. Be sure to visit miambulance.org slash podcast to join the conversation and access other important information from the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services.